The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Child of God, have you ever felt like you were just spinning your wheels, that your life is going nowhere? Maybe your career has stalled. Maybe your family is having problems. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's something else going on, and you just feel like you're not getting anywhere. Well, I've got good news for you. God the Father has predestinated you to be conformed to the image of his Son so that you can live forever in glory with him. You are going somewhere. In fact, that's what the word predestinate means. Your destination has been predetermined beforehand. And the even better news is that the place where you're going is a place of perfect peace and joy where all these troubles of life and the struggles that you face now will be over. And the best news is that it's not by your efforts and it's not by your decisions. It's by the grace of Almighty God. He purposed before the foundation of the world to save you from your sins. And he sent his son to die for you on the cross. If you're one of his, then you will be with him forever. Child of God, you are going somewhere, and it's a glorious place. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, we read the following. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now we've talked a little bit about that, I think maybe last Sunday night. I know that the Lord purposed to save his people from their sins from before the foundation of the world. I recognize that, that he, that according to the scriptures, we're told that we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Sometimes when people hear that and they begin to look into that, they, uh, they get a little nervous about the doctrine of election or the word predestination. You know, the word predestination is a beautiful word. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in life struggling, feeling like your life's going nowhere. You know, I've been there. I've experienced that many times where I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I just feel like my life, I'm just going nowhere in life. You know what the Bible tells me? You know what the word predestination means? You're going somewhere. You're going somewhere, child. I don't care how off track you've gotten. I don't care how confused you are about the next step in your life. You're going somewhere. And praise God, it's not because of you. It's because of what somebody else has done for you, you see. See, there's no reason to fear that word. It's a word we should embrace and a, a doctrine we should love because it's not, you know, I, I, and I realize sometimes we can get so steeped in doctrine and teaching and things that, you know, I, 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 I get, I fear from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I made my living when I was in the courtroom and not a judge when I was arguing on one side or the other. I made my living trying to be right all the time, <laughs> you know. And uh, I know my kids would probably say that that's the way it was at home, too, that, that, that uh, Daddy always had to be right. Well, I always was right, by the way. But anyway, that's another story. We won't get into argument here. But, uh, but be that as it may, I get into the situation sometimes where I just want to be right. And we ought to be right. We ought to get, we ought to get the, the doctrines of the Word of God as right as we can get them. We're never going to get it all right. But you see, that's not the point. That's not the point. There's a lot of teaching in the world that's contrary to the Word of God and different from what we preach here and from what we believe here. And, and, but if our purpose is just to be right and to show that they're wrong, then that's the wrong purpose. That's the wrong purpose. You see, it's wonderful to be right. But I've been right before and felt completely wrong in life. I've been right up here and been completely wrong in my daily walk and in things that that I'm experiencing. I've been right and felt like I'm going nowhere. I've been there. I've been there. Been there this week. Been there this week. When you feel like you're not going anywhere, the Bible tells us because of the doctrines of grace, because of what we know about grace, you're going somewhere. And that's what he's saying here. And he says, um, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee. He's the creator. He's the one that made us. That, that gives me some confidence in Him. That gives me some hope that this one who is powerful enough to be the Creator. You know, that's one of the primary characteristics of God. He's the Creator. This one who created us, He's saying to Jacob, and He's not just talking about to Jacob the man, because Jacob the man was dead at this point. Jacob the man wasn't here to talk to. He had died many centuries before. See, Jacob here represents God's children wherever they are. 
And oftentimes in the Word of God, especially in these prophets, when you read about Jacob or Israel, he's not just talking to the nation, although many, you know, directly he is, yes, but he's talking to God's children who are wherever they are in this world. He's saying, O Jacob, he said, Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. In other words, I've taken care of your eternal destiny. In the 40th chapter, he tells Isaiah to write this, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. You know, so many times I've heard preachers that didn't, didn't preach to comfort. They preached to stir up. They preached to, to beat down, okay? Now, I understand that the gospel is there to comfort the afflicted, but it's also there to afflict the comfortable, Okay? The gospel, if you're comfortable, if you're at ease in Zion, and that doesn't mean you're resting in the kingdom like you ought to be. That means you're just checked out and doing nothing and saying, hey, I'm going to heaven, doesn't matter what I do. Listen, you ought to be afflicted by the gospel. It ought to afflict you. You see, the fact that one was willing to come and die for you ought to stir your heart up in so many ways. The chambers of your heart ought to be flooded with his love. And with gratitude to him for what he's done. I, I understand that in the world it's taught often that you've got to work your way to heaven. That you have to do certain things in order to avail yourself of the grace that he said he's given to his children. That you have to do something to get yourself saved. But praise God, he says, I have redeemed thee. That's a comforting message. You know, somebody asked, what do we believe here in the Primitive Baptist Church? What do we be, believe here specifically at Zion Church? If you didn't have but one scripture to go to, in the whole Bible, you could go to Matthew 1 and 21, where it says that she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God, we believe he did it. <laughs> Plus nothing. He didn't make us savable. He didn't, he didn't offer it out there that if we'll do enough good works or make enough right choices, we'll get there. Praise God, he saved us. If you feel that tender touch of the Holy Spirit in your life, that means you've already been born again. You're one of those that has been redeemed by the Creator, the God of Jacob. And that's a comforting message. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. That's what I hope I'm doing this morning. That's what I try to do every time I preach. That's what we ought to do when we share the word out there with people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Oh, child of God, there were some Jews over in Paul's day that were just struggling. They were just... They had a zeal of God. Romans chapter 10, turn there and read it sometime. They had a zeal of God. They, you know, a dead alien sinner has no zeal of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, that is the one who's only been born in nature, has never been born in, by the Spirit, is dead. And he says, he says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And that includes the gospel message. That includes any of the things of the word of God. This is something of the spirit of God. He says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. In other words, if, 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 you know, if you've only been born in nature, you've never been born again, the gospel means nothing to you. You have no need to be comforted because you're comfortable in this world. You remember when Noah, uh, when, they, when they finally uh, stopped on Mount Ararat, and Noah sent out a raven in to, to, to see where the waters were. The raven didn't come back. You think about that world in that day. 
I preached a message on it recently. You remember, you remember the, the message where we talked about the fact that there were all kinds of dead carcasses floating out in this world in the days of the flood. There was no doubt death everywhere, and the raven was satisfied. The raven is a carrion bird. The raven was satisfied to light upon and to feed upon the dead things of this world, but when he released that little dove, the dove couldn't find a place so much for the sole of her foot to light. And had to come back into the safety of the ark. You see, God's children are like that. Now, if you're, you know, the ravens of the world don't care. They're, they're satisfied with the dead world. But if, you're, if your spirit is, struck, is stirred up within you. And your spirit is, is struggling in this world. And that's, that's a sign that you have been born of the spirit. That you have a spiritual nature. And you won't be satisfied with the things of this world. But the warfare of this life, so many people are still engaged in the warfare that was won on the cross. Struggling to work their way to heaven, to do enough good works, to outweigh their bad, to try to make enough right choices, to overcome the bad choices. I don't know about you, I don't trust any of my choices in this world. Every once in a while I get it right. <laughs> but it's so few and far between I can count them on probably both hands, you know, if, and probably won't need my thumbs. <laughs> You see, the warfare out there that we're engaged in will never get us anything but anxiety and stress and ultimately despair. But here's the comfort of the gospel. Comfort ye my people, speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Those Jews in the 10th chapter of Romans said they were going about to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted themselves to the righteousness of Christ. They were already born again children of God, but they thought they still had something to do to get themselves into heaven. Oh, they were struggling. I, maybe a preacher told them that. Maybe, maybe some friend said, yeah, well, this, you know, I know you're, you're struggling. You see the, that yourself as a sinner and you know that, uh, that, 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 that you need God to, to help you, but you still got to do this. You know, that's what some of them did over there. They said, no, 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 it's not enough that you're a believer. It's not enough that you're now a, a member of the church. You got to be, you got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. Over in the Acts 15 chapter, you remember what Peter said? He said, he stood up and said, why place you a yoke? upon the neck of the disciples that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear. He said, even our fathers under the law weren't able to carry the law. They weren't able to carry out the law. I mean, read the history of the nation of Israel. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 10, that's given to us for an example. When I read the history of the nation of Israel and the ups and downs, you know, there were times they were diligent and faithful. But it wasn't long before they'd done straight off again. God, they cried out for food and God gave them manna, angels' food, we're told it is. And he gave it to them every single day, day in and day out. And what did they do? They got tired of it. They got tired of it. You know, I see myself in that. They got complacent. They got to the point where well, this is just manna. What, what do we, I'm tired of this manna. It's just manna, you know. You know, we can do that too. We can do it. How many times do we get fired up about something? You know, I, I think about a new car. You know, I hadn't had many in my life. And man, that new car smell, isn't that great? And the new car is, you know, I'm driving around like I'm the man. You know, I'm in the new car. Boy, this is awesome. This is awesome. Well, pretty soon, you know, the, the radio messes up or, the, or maybe, the, maybe, maybe I start hearing a little rattle. And next thing you know, I open the door and the new car smell is gone, you know. And, and, and suddenly the new car is not so great anymore. It's like Christmas toys on Christmas morning, you know. Everything is wonderful Christmas morning, but by the end of the week, you know, well, I'm glad I got that. I'm glad I got that Han Solo figure, 
But, uh, but gosh, I wish I'd gotten that Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. You know, I, that's, that's dates me, I know, back in how old I am, but that was a big thing back then. You know, I just, I'm not satisfied with the things that I ought to be satisfied with. That's the way the children of Israel were. The things God would give them, they'd, they'd get all excited, then the next thing you know, they'd, they'd fall away. Think about the greatest deliverance experienced by the nation of Israel in their history up until the time of Christ. It was the deliverance from the Babylonian captivity. Now, the Babylonian captivity was a chastening upon them. It was a judgment brought by God upon them because they had not been faithful. Specifically, they were supposed to every seven years let the land lie fallow and have a Sabbath of seven years. And by the way, uh, if you'll go back and look, the number, the se number 70, it was 490 years that they were under the kingdom that they did not observe that. And, and for every, every there were 70 Sabbath years they didn't observe. Guess how many years they stayed in Babylon? I just want to tell you, beloved, God's going to get his Sabbath one way or another. He's going he's gonna to get what he requires. You ever, you ever had a situation where you felt like, well, I need to go over here and minister to this person or talk to this person about the things of the Lord, but I'm just too busy? You know, I've been there, too, where I said, well, I just don't have time today. And whatever it was I was working on that ought to take 30 minutes ended up taking three hours, the time that it would have required me to go talk to that person. I've learned my lesson. Well, I try to, I hope I've learned my lesson. <laughs> But like the children of Israel, I'm up and down. But the greatest deliverance for them was when the Lord delivered them back from the Babylonian captivity to go back to Jerusalem. And he said, you go back over there and rebuild my temple. And they started. And then they got stopped. And then for 15 years, the work of the temple just lay fallow. They, they, they didn't do anything. And, and the fact that they could have been doing something is proven by the fact that when they finally got back to work, it didn't take long for them to to get all the problems worked out. What had happened was the king had issued a command to say and stop, but it didn't take much effort. They figured out, they were able to convince the king to change his mind. But for 15 years they were complacent. A whole generation grew up. But here he says, crying to her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, that, that little phrase there puzzled me for some years. I, I said, they were just received double. What's, what's he talking did, did the Lord, uh, did the Lord punish Christ twice? Did he, what, what's, he do, what's going on here? Well, here, here's, I think it's a simple answer. It's a simple answer. They, see, we were in such a state that we ought to spend eternity burning in a devil's hell. We, that's what we deserve. That's, that's why I believe in grace and not merit. I don't want fairness. You know, some people say, I just want what's coming to me. I do not want what's coming to me. <laughs> I know what's coming to me. I read about what's coming to me. If, if it's based upon what I do, if it's based upon my works and upon my, um, my doings, it's the same place that, that the rich man went in the, in the story, which I do not believe is a parable, of the rich man and Lazarus. It was a place of burning fire and torment, okay? I don't want what's fair. If what's fair, if God is going to take my works and weigh out my good works versus my bad, you might as well stick a fork in me. I'm done. I'm done already. There's nothing, there's no hope for me, okay? You know, I've said this many times here, but think about it. You want us, you want us to start singing the song Amazing Fairness? I don't think so. Amazing grace. I need grace. 
That's what I long for. That's what I need. That's all. My only hope is the grace of God. So what is it that he's saying here that God's people have received of the Lord's hand double for all their sins? Well, I believe it's just this, simply. All of the sins that they've ever committed, every single one that the Lord's children have ever committed, have been wiped away by the sacrifice of Christ, which is wondrous and amazing and, and is all we could ever expect to have <laughs> and not expected in the sense of being entitled to it. But, but how much more could we possibly want than to have our sins forgiven? That's mercy. But you see, we didn't just get mercy. We got grace. We got great. We got double. So not only were our sins taken away, but we've been made heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We have not just had our sins taken away. We've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Can you believe that we've been clothed with his righteousness? Do you understand this morning that as the Lord looks at you right now, he does not see your sins. He does not see your filthiness. You still got it. I've still got it. The Adamic nature is still within me. But when God looks upon us, He sees the righteousness of His Son. He sees you, child of God, in the same light that He sees His dear Son. I believe that's one reason He tells us He's seated on the right hand of the Father on high. And I believe it's the 25th chapter of Matthew when He separates the sheep from the goats. Where do the sheep go? They go to His right hand. Every time God the Father looks over at the sheep, He has to see His Son in between. And that's the way it is in our lives. Praise God. There's a part of you and I that has never committed a sin. Do you know that? I can't even fathom that. I, it's, but that's, he tells us in 1 John, He said that, that we're pure, that we, we do not sin in that part of us. Now, there's a part of me that only does sin. There's a part of me, that, you know, there's a warfare going on within me it's not the warfare he's talking about here there's a warfare the the new birth makes a battleground out of the heart the new birth starts a war that didn't exist before but praise god we have it because if we didn't have a warfare inside us that means we don't have the new birth <laughs> we don't have a new creature within us but we got a new creature inside of us that never sins that only seeks the things of the lord but we got an old man the adam man the carnal mind that's enmity against god and those two are a constant war and i'll tell you sometimes i feel like the old man is winning out every day Sometimes, the Lord, you know, that's one reason we need church. That's one reason we need to be here today because we need to be reinvigorated for the fight. I want to tell you, there's a fight out there. There's certainly a fight with the world. We're struggling against the princes, uh, powers of the principalities and powers of the air, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works among the children of disobedience. The devil is out there and he hates God's people. He has demons and minions that hate you, child of God. But not just that, there are men in high places and women in high places that are out to... God, to oppose all things godly. And there's certainly a fight out there. But you know where my biggest fight is? It's not out there. It's right in here. When he talks about pressing into the kingdom, that word, that's Luke chapter 16 and verse 16, that word there means to fight violently against. And that doesn't mean that we got people posted at the back door and you got to fight your way in like running a gauntlet. No, we want you here. It's not, it's not, I realize that if we let ourselves degenerate into the carnal way of thinking that we could cause problems in the church and among the church that would tend to keep you out. 
But the pressing into the kingdom he's talking about is not a fight against the other members. It's a fight against yourself, child of God. Because it would have been a lot easier to stay home today. It would have been a lot easier to go fishing today. We're going to have a lot of rain coming up. It'd be good to get one last fishing trip in, Brother James. See, that's where my flesh goes. There's a lot of other things going on. We're getting back into football season. I love a good football game as much as anybody. <laughs> uh, you know, I know people, though, that travel to every game and are gone. And they just go out and tailgate. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing that, but I'm saying that they, they'll, they'll go to places and not go to church on Sunday morning. You see, we need that. We need that. I'm not fussing about people who aren't here. I'm just telling you that we need that, child of God. You're not hurting. Well, you are hurting the church. The church needs you. The church, we need each other. I get that. But the Lord really doesn't need us, you know. <laughs> he doesn't really need us, but boy, we need Him. We need Him. I need this this morning more than you do. I need what I, I, I don't know. This, this message I'm preaching to you may not, may be falling flat on the ground right out there in front of me and not helping anybody else, but it's helping me this morning. It's helping me because I feel the Lord, I feel the Spirit of the Lord, and I feel your love. See, I need this. We need to be reinvigorated. The warfare that we have still is fighting against the flesh, but this helps us. But notice here, going back to what we were talking about, he said, she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Not only have her sins been washed away, but she has been clothed with the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that glorious? Now, going back to Isaiah 43. We've talked about this a little bit, so I'm not going to belabor it, but we talked about the fact that that the Lord chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And sometimes I get this idea that it's like a man with a scoop going to a grain bin. You know, you go, or you go somewhere to buy some seed to plant a garden. And the, the owner of the store goes in there, scoops in, and gets a bunch of seed out and sticks it in your bag. And, you know, he does a scoop or two. And, you know, so I get this idea of the Lord's people, this mass of humanity that he died for, Okay. And he did. It's a multitude that no man can number, okay? We're told that in the book of Revelation. And, and I think about that in the, in the, in the way of, of uh, how glorious that is. But, but sometimes I just think of it as, as some amorphous mass. But as I shared with y'all last Sunday night, I believe it was, I heard a preacher one time say that I believe he'd have died on the cross if I'd have been the only one in the covenant of grace. If I'd have been the only one he was dying for Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.